Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Autism Confidential, the podcast from the National Council on Severe Autism. I'm Jill Escher. I'm your host today, and I am the president of NCSA. Um, as you know, this month, our podcasts are highlighting issues around safety, emergency preparedness, and first responders, all in honor of our dear and departed former Vice President Feda Al-Malidi and her son, Mu, who both died on September 26, 2020, in a tragic house fire, a day we will never forget. Mm-hmm. The September 26th project honors their memory by bringing information and mostly reminders to people um, about emergency preparedness so that we don't see disasters like that or others. Um, and uh, today we're really very, very lucky to have actually someone who was a friend of Feda's and who is also extremely active in the autism community um, on issues around wandering and elopement. Kate Movius, welcome. Thank you, Jill. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Kate is in my former homeland of Los Angeles, um, uh, where she is, I don't know what your title is, uh, what's your title for LA Bound? CEO, CFO, Um, I'm the founder (laughs) of Autism Interaction Solutions, it's one of the things that I do, and that's the um, organization through which I train mostly law enforcement. That's excellent. So um, before we go into uh, you know Kate's incredible work relating to community safety, um, let's learn a bit about Kate because Kate is a very interesting person. <laughs> it's all downhill uh, from here. Yes, the lovely, the beautiful, the actress, the writer, the singer, the whatever. You're <laughs> so Kate. Um, tell us about your journey into autism. How did you come to this? land called autism well how did i come to it i came to it through my beautiful son aiden who's now 22 and he was diagnosed in 2003 um he had his first contact with lapd with law enforcement uh when he was three and he had many contacts after that so that's what led me to work with law enforcement and when you say contacts what were those contacts so it was all for elopement mm-hmm. all for going missing sprinting it's often referred to yes as wandering but that's a misnomer i think for many of our loved ones because our loved ones tend to sprint mm-hmm. and um you know, I would call 911 and they would come out and we would inevitably find him once he had gone through an unlocked door at a neighbor's house. Um, his most critical incident occurred in, um, I've, I've blanked out the year, it was so traumatic. It was 2014 and he got out through a locked door. Our house at that point was like Fort Knox. Mm-hmm. Um, the great irony of that critical missing incident is that at the time I was lecturing regional centers, which in California are um, our, our local nonprofits that support people with developmental disabilities. I was lecturing regional centers on how to prevent elopement and wandering in the autism population. And then my son, I can laugh about it now. And mm-hmm. then my son goes and has a critical missing incident where he removed his clothing uh, because you know felt good 
and went missing in a, in a, we live in a very urban area of Los Angeles, Northeast LA. Um, he was found two and a half miles away, three hours later. <gasps> and he was at a, a major intersection and he had gone missing in the middle of the night. He was transported to a local hospital as a John Doe. And uh, my phone call had crisscrossed with theirs. So when I called 911 and I described him to the dispatcher, and I wanna talk about this in a moment, by the way, mm -hmm. because in the moment when your child has gone missing, you're quite elevated, escalated, hysterical, hysterical. right? It's oh, absolutely. Very, it's very hard to remember what your child was wearing you know, what, what are the most useful pieces of information to know? So I want to talk about that in a moment. But the thing that the dispatcher said to me that will haunt me forever is she said, well, that does match the description of a juvenile that was picked up. Uh, he was transported to a hospital and I can't tell you any more information. I said, well, was he, was he wounded? Was he, was he alive? She said, well, I can't share that with you. So for 20 minutes, I didn't know. Mm. Um, oh and understandably, they had opened up a case with the DCFS because this was a naked juvenile found. And for um, those who don't know, if you don't mind defining DCS DCFS. The Department of Child and Family Services. So, mm -hmm. you know, you see a missing child. He looked very young for 14. He, he did, wasn't a big guy. So they had to investigate me, of course, and find out what was going on. So it just triggered is this domino effect of this whole series of hoops that had to be jumped through. Um, happy ending, you know, he was mm -hmm. unharmed. Uh, I was allowed to be with him. They understood because due to the severity of his autism, I, I think in that situation, it helped him because the first responders who came in, neither of them, by the way, had ever met anybody with autism, but because Aiden's, Aiden's pretty much nonverbal um, and had a lot of sort of jumpy behaviors. They knew something, as they said, something was up, mm -hmm. something was different. <laughs> subtle, subtle. Very something yeah. was up with mm -hmm. that kid. Um, but it was terrifying. It was the worst, one of the worst days of my life, obviously, mm -hmm. again, with, with a happy ending. Um, I point out you know, the fact that I was lecturer and all that stuff, not just to be sort of funny, ironic, but to basically illustrate this can happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. Lopement and wandering are um, extremely risky for our loved ones with, with autism, obviously, but we can prepare and prepare and prepare and these things can still happen. Most families um, receiving a diagnosis of autism, don't get any education on wandering and elopement. And one of the, the issues that's near and dear to my heart is how can we capture, so to speak, these children who are diagnosed early and help their families? Because a lot of wandering prevention has to do with community outreach, things like swim lessons, and also just, again, putting on that family's radar, what are the important preventative issues? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I want to dig into that a little bit, right? Because ultimately, we want our podcast series to be instructive for people, offer you know, helpful, useful, pragmatic advice um, to people. Um, but I, I do want to ask a little bit more you know, about your background, because you, you are an interesting person. So uh, let's talk a little bit about you, you, you were in LA, you were in the business, 
right? You were an actress. Um, you had two sons, one of whom had autism. Um, and then your life changed. Can you tell us a little bit about your life and then how you came to really devote yourself to this issue? Sure. Of all, of all the many things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In your world. Well, yes. Acting brought me to Los Angeles. Um, I was primarily a voiceover actress doing Nickelodeon cartoons and occasionally doing other stuff. A lot of live comedy. Um, I used to do Saturday nights at the comedy store on Sunset oh. Boulevard for those in, who are in Los Angeles. You were a stand-up comic? I was a sketch comedian. So oh, we, had, oh. we had a sketch group and uh it was it was a lot of fun and yeah i would go out on auditions you know for they would tell me to show up in a bikini stuff like that you know i was i was not really built for that so to speak you know i i was uh i had a hard time getting through those auditions with a straight face um and then aiden was born and um i continued you know the great thing about voiceover work is you can do it and you could show roll in with your you know baby and nursing your baby and still do it right mm. um but he was diagnosed in as i said in 2003 and the type of autism that aiden had was all-consuming i don't mean to say that autism isn't always all-consuming right mm -hmm. um he never ever slept he didn't really sleep until he was about 15. Hmm. Um, so from the time he was born, you know, he was up every 90 minutes, sometimes more, sometimes up for two or three days at a time. So sleep deprivation was kind of my life. Yeah. yeah um, that is all consuming. It's all consuming. There. Yeah. It's all consuming. Yeah. I think many of our listeners probably have. They can relate. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh I decided to, because I, I wanted to do something, I wanted to work, I decided to help women who were lab in labor, or I wasn't, I wasn't a doula, but I was assisting women in teaching them how to try to minimize intervention. Hmm. Um, so I was giving, I was giving birth classes. And I loved doing that. And I could sort of show up and have a little, you know, three hour window where I was working with all these couples who were who were scared or who were nervous and I could kind of leave my own fear and my nervousness at home. So I did that in Hollywood for a while and um, I really enjoyed that work a lot. Um, Aiden was very complex in the word of one therapist who worked with him early on is the most complex child I've ever worked with. Um, you know, I used to get comments like, well, I just, we don't know what to do for him and nothing's working. Um, he was at a, a school for children with autism. And I remember one of the administrators saying, well, he's the most autistic child in the class. <laughs> yeah, I got the same thing with my son too. So they, yeah. They're, yeah. And that's really Your helpful. Brothers. Thank you so much. Yeah. That helps me as the mother. <laughs> Let me just take that comment and go, you know, think about it for the next mm -hmm. eight years. Um, so he started life in, in a very different place from where he is now. He is, his, his set point now is happy. He is just a happy guy. And he's grown into a lot of things. He's, he's severely autistic, 
Mm -hmm. um, definitely, he's fully conserved. He needs supervision all the time. Um, but he's discovered painting, he's discovered music, um, and he's able to do things on his own like that, where he's got his own agency. So that, for me, is, um, I, you know, it's like, my work here is done. <laughs> you know, I just, I feel like, because he has things that he can do that he wants to do, mm -hmm. that's amazing. That is amazing. Anytime. That is absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I have a son who doesn't have that, right? And right. so every day of his life is filled with ennui. Sure. Right? And, and, and that boredom, I think, leads him to his destructive behaviors. He's oh, not a bad kid. Of course. He's a really, real sweetheart. But he needs something to do, mm -hmm. right? And we all he, do. Yeah, yeah, we all do. I mean, no one wants to stare at a wall. So, you know, a lot of that energy that my son has gets channeled into sure not very productive places. I can talk about the destroyed furniture, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, but yeah, so I, I completely understand what you, what you mean. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I see him I, on Facebook. I watch him painting or sitting at his little keyboard and like, yeah. he's, you yeah. can tell his, his brain is working when he's doing that. And um, yeah, that's a huge change. Okay. It took so, a long time. <laughs> yeah. Time. Well, good, good mommy. And you've been through a lot and I hope he's sleeping now at least. He is, yeah, I never want to say that aloud without knocking every piece of wood that is nearby, right? Um, well, we have, we have medically assisted sleep <laughs> in, sure. in our house, so sure. whatever works, whatever works. Whatever works. Yeah. Um, okay, so you went through all this trauma, and believe me, I had similar trauma with my son, although not as bad as what you experienced, but I had, you know, the police called out, you know, to try to find Johnny in the neighborhood, um, after elopement, and I've been there and through that incredible panic where every second yeah. feels like five hours. It does. It does. It's it sort of feels like one of those like scenes from a horror movie where everything is slowing down and you <laughs> hear like evil carnival music and everything's tilting, you know, at least that's where I go. The thoughts that go through your head. I know. It's just the thoughts that go, every yeah. terrible narrative goes through yeah. your head and the you white van. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the, the dead, I thought Johnny would be hit by a car. I mean, that mm -hmm. was my thing because Johnny, yeah. and to this day, to this day, he'll run across the street without looking, without any awareness of a car. So that I, I continue to think that will be my son's demise. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, I spent many, many times in my life in that mode. So um, what about, uh, you know, what, what should parents know? You know, a kid gets diagnosed with autism. We know there are incredibly high rates um, of elopement. I've heard up to 50% of all mm -hmm. kids with autism um, elope. Uh, what, what do you want them to know? I want them to post on the fridge, and maybe that's very old school, or in their phones, a list of things to say to a 911 dispatcher because again until or unless you are in this position of having to call 911 you're not how, why would you know what to say right other than my god my child has gone missing he's got my child's gone missing with mm -hmm. that terror in your heart yeah right mm -hmm. so it's really easy if you can have it all written down Another thing. And what um, should be written and, down? Right. Well, yeah. Let me let me tell you what what you want what you want to say. You need a physical description. Ideally, remember what they they're wearing, but mm -hmm. 
but again, many of us are sleep deprived. Do we actually remember what they're wearing? One way to remedy that is just to take pictures during, you know, throughout the day with your child, take a picture at night of the PJs, you know, mm -hmm. what the pajamas were. Um, you um, want to state the diagnosis right off the bat. That's extremely important. Um, you want, you know, let's say it's my 22 year old who goes missing. Um, a 22 year old without autism going missing is completely different from a severely autistic 22 year old going missing. Mm -hmm. So if you want to tell the dispatcher, you know, this, my, my son is nonverbal and is severely autistic and might exhibit behaviors that mm -hmm. are alarming or confusing and might not be able to comply. Mm -hmm due to his diagnosis. So you just, you just, they, they really want details like that. The other thing that you can um, write down for yourself, because again, panic can wipe out our brains. Wh what are places that your child might want to go? Where does your child like to go? Does your child like the neighbor's dog? Does your child like the neighbor's pool? Does your child love McDonald's down the street? and write down every place that they like you can even write down things that are not very close by you know if there's a park that you drive your child to if there's a grandparent you drive your child to so having all of that written down now let's say your child isn't found right away and they have to start going up in the air you know they have to use a chopper they have to use um, more extensive search techniques you want to be able to guide first responders on what might help draw your child out. So this is just in the event that let's say, you know, they're, they're on a megaphone, they're in the, they're in the air. Um, would it be music? Would it be the sound of their mother's voice? Would it be um, the, the offer of, you know, hey, Aiden, you can have chicken nuggets. We've got chicken nuggets waiting for you. And conversely, you wanna talk about the things that would keep your child in hiding. And that can often be a helicopter <laughs> right? Right. or a dog. Mm -hmm. um, so having these things now, th that's sort of a more refined list to start writing out for yourselves of this, you know, should this happen, I need to have my ducks in a row. I need to be able to tell first responders, here's what will help draw him or her out. And here's what may keep him or her in hiding. Um, here are preferred places to go. Um, but foundationally, one of the most important pieces of safety for children and adults who elope is swimming. Uh, drowning is the leading cause of death by, you know, it, it's 91% of those who die when they wander, die because mm -hmm. they've drowned. Mm -hmm. um, in Southern California, you know, we're lucky that we don't have freezing cold, but we have a lot of pools. We have a lot of ocean. Um, and throughout the country, you know, we were talking about this, you know, there are tragedies every month that yeah. have to do with elopement and wandering. So drowning is by far the leading cause of death. And then we have traffic deaths. And then we have minuscule percentages of, of the really scary stuff we think about, like strangers and things like that, but swimming. So how do we teach our autistic children to swim? Um, you know, here in California, we had special therapeutic swim lessons that were paid for by the state. Obviously, that is not uh, provided everywhere, but I would recommend to parents that they 
really try to figure that piece out. Even if they live nowhere near water, there's, your child is still probably going to be drawn to water, just statistically, our, our kids really do love it, right? They like the way it looks, they may like the way it feels, the way it sounds. Mm -hmm. um, and again, this is something that's usually not on our radar until it's happening, right? Right. So swim lessons are very, very important. Um, we're extremely lucky now that we have Google Maps, Google, Google Earth, so should a child go missing, you can take a look right away. Where are the bodies of water nearby? And I always, when I'm training my cops, I always tell them, go to Google Earth, look at all the bodies of water nearby if you have a critical missing incident. I mean, and it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I read these stories, as you said, like every week there's some new tragedy, sometimes multiple, you yeah. know, in a week. It, it's unbelievable. And it's every kind of water, you know, it's a retention pond, it's a little creek, you know, it's a pool, yeah. you know, it's like a, a temporary pond. It's all kinds of bodies of water. Kind of doesn't matter what it is. Um, That's right. You know, because I think again, um, there's this universal appeal, like that our, our loved ones with autism really do love water, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so we have to keep that in mind as parents and caregivers, um, you know, all the time and, and revisit that and continually. And by the way, revisit all of these pieces of safety, like revisit, okay, what should I do if I have to call 911? Mm -hmm. um, and revisit, you know, what is my child wearing at this time? Where are the places that he or she has really liked going recently? Um, keep trying to, I know that, you know, as autism parents, we, we are juggling so many things, so many things, but this is kind of an important maintenance piece to keep in place. Now, the other part of safety for elopers or potential elopers is your home, right? Yeah, you mentioned that your house was like Fort Knox, right? When Aiden eloped. Um, he got... figured out how to open a, a um, deadbolt, which he hadn't yet known how to do. Oh, so he had a new yeah. skill that he developed. <laughs> He right. developed a new Surprise. skill. Um, so um, you can have things like door alarms, window alarms. Um, if your child responds to pecs and responds to reading, you can have stop signs placed. Um, you want to also have these issues taught through school. You want to have it written into your IEP, um, you know, because kids go missing from schools as well. Mm -hmm. So and if, also ABA programs are now more attentive. That's right. Uh, to so you want to you want to attack it from those two places: is school and then your at-home program, um, and really help your child to develop whatever skills they can. Um, and also, it helps you. It it's sort of like keeping children safe with autism is a real community effort. It's a group effort. And the challenge is that autism is such a potentially or, or fundamentally isolating experience. We have to try to, to, to include our communities when we have a runner, which, mm -hmm. you know, when we have a child that goes missing. Mm -hmm. I remember when my son was younger, I created a letter to all my neighbors saying like, hey, yeah. this is what's up. If you see him, call this number you know, here's the description. Um, 
and uh, yeah, a lot of my neighbors got to know <laughs> Johnny <That's right. laughs> um, because he did wander. My daughter did too, but to a lesser degree. Right. Um, and uh, you know, I think that that helped. It um, helps a lot, know. and yeah. and I know a lot of people might not know their neighbors or. Their neighbors might be complaining about their child, but it's it's mm -hmm. really important to try to reach out. And if you're comfortable, do exactly what you said. Write a letter, have a photo of your child if you're comfortable with that. Um, you know, there are like forms like this, which it, you can't really see it, but- mm, We can see it. Um, National Autism Association has great resources on it. They do. Page. I'm going to be interviewing them for the next podcast. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think they're among the best and they have downloadable resources. So you don't have to start from square one right. where they, it shows exactly what's helpful to fill out. Um, you know, a letter that you can give to your local law enforcement, a letter for school, a letter for the neighbors. It's mm. all about that reaching out piece. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, again, we have to overcome our own desire to sort of isolate, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And really, really reach out because it's getting community assistance with serial elopers is really, really important. So when you do your trainings, you're training law enforcement mm -hmm. specifically about wandering or about other issues as well. This, the main crux of the training is de-escalation and communication. Um, with and what do you what do you teach them that they didn't already know? I'm curious. Well, I teach them what autism might look like, sound like. Um, many of them really don't know because autism is invisible, right? So there are no facial features that indicate a developmental disability. There's mm -hmm. no wheelchair. I, I'm um, curious. I, I, in your experience. Have these people, have these first responders already had some autism training? Very little. Oh, really? Almost none. Wow. It gets, it gets okay. Grouped in, it gets grouped in for about 15 to 20 minutes, maybe, um, with uh, mental health disorders. Wow. So they're okay. taught for a few minutes about schizophrenia, and then they're taught for a few minutes about autism. And this is during an eight-hour day. Um, and they come in and I've been doing this now for 13 years. They come in and they say, I didn't know any of this. Really? I this. God, I'm so ignorant. I would have thought that by now they would have had, um, at least basic training about autism, but no, it's, yeah, it's I mean, really not standalone. Yeah. Um, but the mm -hmm. best part of the training, I think the most effective part of the training is I have autistic co-trainers. Mm -hmm. So that they can actually, because I can talk to them and I, I run them through a whole bunch of exercises where they can feel sensorily like really uncomfortable, the the, the uh, police officers, oh. so that they start to have an understanding of what it might feel like to be um, overloaded and have somebody trying to ask you questions. What's right. your name? Where do you live? What are you doing? Where, have you yeah. been, where are you going? Mm -hmm. um, but when I bring in the autistic co-trainers and I, it's pretty much from, you know, it's a wide range of autism that you bring in Aiden. I don't bring in Aiden because mm. then I can't focus because Aiden would be running all over the room like, oh, okay. but mm -hmm. I, you know, I have, yes, I have brought Aiden in. Mm -hmm. um, but I bring in, I have long-term coworkers that I've worked with um, who range from, you know, cracking jokes at the podium to very severely affected by autism. Mm -hmm. And so that they can see, because a lot of people, as we all know, a lot of people think of autism as, 
you know, Rain Man or the Good Doctor, or mm -hmm. you know, somebody who's sort of quirky and has um, is is amazing at art or piano or math, right? That's right. what we see. That's what we see portrayed. Right. Um, and what I explained to them is that is minuscule percentage wise, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So you um, bring reality, right? I bring reality, and and really the main takeaway, and I I tell this to the deputies and the officers is I want you to slow down, slow down when you're rolling up on this situation, because mm -hmm. if you speed up, which is which is human to want to do. It's instinctive to try to speed things up. You ask somebody their name, they don't answer. You ask them again, ask them again. You're just going to escalate. So right. slow down and then wait for a response. And then try to give alternative forms of communication. And we put together, the mayor of industry and I put together sensory kits for patrol so that deputies can carry these around and you know it has a whiteboard in it and it has you know a chewy if somebody needs that it has headphones um noise canceling you know things like that a lot of fidgets um it's something right wow it's something hmm. so just trying to give uh law enforcement options mm-hmm trying to give them, you know, easy options. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they can they can use that and not use force. Well, it's super important because um, a lot of parents are legitimately afraid of, um, of what course. would happen. And, you know, I, I have a very strong, manly, handsome son who has no exterior you know, facial or physical signs of being disabled but is of course profoundly disabled. Sure. And if a police officer, you know, if he were to run across the street or into someone's yard, which he has done um, on multiple occasions, mm -hmm. and if an officer were to say, stop, <laughs> Johnny wouldn't stop. So then what? Then it escalates. So um, yeah. And the other thing that I've done, Kate, I don't know what you think about this, is I've contacted our police department um, with information about my son, you know, his address, the basic, you know, it just, really just make sure that there's something in the records about him so that if there's a call, it might pop up. I, yep. I don't, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely um, essential. I think some, there are some programs, the sheriff's department here has a program, which is called special alert, where you can voluntarily um, type in your information and they will then flag your house um as having somebody with a disability there but yes going down to your local police station is a very important thing to do and again bring a photo if you can you can bring your kid but as we all know that might be impossible um and just introduce yourself and keep at it you know if you feel like the person's like okay thank you so much and puts it to the side say you know who's your um who's your lead right now on on staff you know i'd really love to discuss this with them and we've had multiple elopement incidents and um really really love to sit down and kind of get this in front of somebody mm -hmm. so i think that is crucial you know it's become so common by now i mean i just you would think that every police department in the land would have some understanding of how prevalent this problem is, you know, and how serious this problem is. Um, you, you would hope that none of them would be surprised by a call like, you know, my son has severe autism and, 
is prone to to wander. Right. I mean, or low. Well, you know, when I started this, think? yeah, yeah. And, and when I started this 13 years ago, I would ask, I always ask at the top of the training, who in here has ever met somebody with autism or who in here knows somebody with autism? And I used to get maybe one hand. Mm-hmm. And now it is at least two thirds of the room. Mm-hmm. Well, the prevalence of autism has increased. You're right. And uh, the visibility and the prevalence have both increased. True. I, and I think I, what I do detect is that people are, they do have more awareness than they yeah. used to. Mm-hmm. Well, where can people find out more about what you do? I'm sure that people are listening to this thinking like, I'd like to do trainings like Kate does, you know, sure. um, where can they go? Um, well, th- there's a website that I have autism interaction solutions.com. It's a mouthful. Um, I am happy to discuss this with anybody offline um, who wishes to contact me and you can reach me there. Um, I think that a lot of this has to do with just introducing yourself to your local PD. Obviously here in LA, we have 18,000 personnel in the sheriff's department. So this, this all came to me in a different way because we have such a large police department. But if you have a smaller police department, just introduce yourself and go in and say, look, um, I'm a parent, somebody with autism, I'd be interested in providing some training. Um, you can always contact me. I've flown out of state to do trainings. Um, I generally stay in state, but that's, you know, that's a possibility as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there are a number of um, outfits around the country that do, you know, trainings now. And they're all, they all seem to be a little bit different. They all focus on, you know, different topics. But, you know, definitely wandering is a huge, huge, huge one of them. Huge one. Um, it uh, is. I say wandering. I know I shouldn't say wandering because they really aren't wandering. Sprinting. Like <laughs> they're sprinting. Um, they're they're eloping with no sense of uh, safety awareness. No sense of safety at all. Yeah. And I, I wanted to mention LA Found. Yes, please. Um, I know we're sort of nearing the end here. Yes. But, um, the other piece of work that I've done is, is on this task force. And it's specifically wandering um and we provide and that's for both autism and conditions like alzheimer's it is it is it was actually founded by a man who had a tragic uh loss with his wife who wandered away in los angeles um but we provide wristbands um project lifesaver wristbands um which is a wearable tracking technology it's of course a voluntary um program and we initially brought it to glendale california and then it went countywide um so you sign up your loved one and they receive a wristband and that's in conjunction you work with the sheriff's department which oversees all of la county so should your loved one go missing you have a whole protocol where you can call that in and they can track it has a gps it's not GPS, it's old fashioned radar because oh. GPS, they found, they tested everything out and they found that with the topography in, in big urban center that they often lost mm. signal. Mm. Um, so LA found is a really good resource for those of us who are here in, um, in Los Angeles and in LA County in general. Okay, very good. So in closing, um, any memories of FEDA? Oh, gosh. 
I just still can't believe she's gone yeah. because I can hear her and see her um, feeding each other sushi. <laughs> we went to this sushi restaurant and she just, she started like messing with the decor immediately. Like there was a, there were these statues and she just picked one up and started cradling it and making me laugh so hard you know um she just was interacting with with the environment immediately and being so hilarious and body and um I, there are so many memories yeah. never a never a boring moment with feta oh my god never gosh. a boring moment yeah. never an unhilarious moment yeah you know i um, agree i it is an unbelievable senseless loss and i think that's sense. what spurs us to you know, prevent anything like this from happening, happening again. We just still can't believe it. No, yeah. no, I, I feel the same way. It's, it's illogical. Yeah. Um, but I hear her and I see her. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the thing is she's very much alive. Mm -hmm. yeah, like, and it, as I say, living rent free in our heads forever. Living rent free in our heads. That's right. Forever. That's a perfect way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much kate um, You're welcome this is a uh, very very useful and um hopefully people will um you know th think about uh, oh can i ask you one more question i'm sorry i there yeah. are always like a million questions i want to ask even though i'm going over time you know we mentioned the importance of swim lessons a lot of parents have a hard time accessing swim lessons sure of right course. um any tips uh, you know for that well, we have our local Ys, right? Mm -hmm. I think most places have a Y, a YMCA. Um, I think that's a really good place to start. Um, I think that whatever your developmental disability services system is in your state is to check with them about this issue and even advocate about this issue with all of your extra time and energy. And um, I think you mentioned before we, 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 we spoke today, that in California, right, you can get swim lessons, right, as part of your plan, right, through the regional centers, if you yeah. advocate for it's it. It's kind of been going in and out funding-wise, right? Mm -hmm. So when Aiden was little, this was a long time ago, we got it. And then it went out as the money went away from California. Mm -hmm. And I think it's mm -hmm. back. Okay. Um, but what I would, you know, what I would love to be able to do in this in this state is to make this mandatory. I agree. The education, at least every person receiving a diagnosis of autism gets information on wandering elopement. But I think we should go a step further. Every person who gets a diagnosis of developmental disability and mm -hmm. autism also is, receives swim lessons. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, it's a really overlooked, important area. Extremely and, important. Yeah. And something maybe we can advocate for in the States. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right All right. There. I won't ask any more questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Kate, mind. Kate Movius, uh, thank you so much. You're so for being welcome. On Autism well. Confidential. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Confidential. If you'd like to learn more, share an idea for an episode, or become a sponsor, please visit us at autismconfidential.org. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual speakers. 
Content presented is for informational purposes only, and we do not provide any medical or legal advice.